Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk. Featuring your host, Rhino. Brian Cash. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something. We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Blaine! And your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um, The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that... Probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their, you know, their – their offensive line to the Super Bowl, maybe they're up for a, you know, a, a an offensive coordinator job somewhere or you know something like that. It's it, it's it's just a, a a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum, gathering growth until it it hits the bottom guys, and unfortunately, those are the guys that suffer. Radio experience in just continue to be skipping. Um, uh, All right. Um, so we are experiencing a little bit of issues here. I'm not sure if it's on both ends, uh, just on uh, Rhino's end, whatever. Um, if you guys, if anyone's listening and can't hear me, can hear me, um, certainly shoot a, a, a line on Twitter, Facebook, something like that. But um, Rhino, of course, if you can slash can't hear me, also just uh, shoot me a text or whatever. But um, so yeah, so we're gonna tackle the uh, the college basketball games today. Uh, we, I think on on Thursday night we sort of said that there were, you know, some good games. But then looking at the slate, it kind of turns out to be a little bit of a. a a subpar let's just call it for what it is a little bit of a subpar um uh slate today we do have one premier matchup we have the uh rematch of kentucky and tennessee um i think that will be a a very interesting game but 
Kentucky will be without one of their better players in Reed Travis, who who guarded Williams all game last time and really shut him down. Uh, So I think Tennessee definitely has the advantage uh, today. We'll we'll get into that game. We'll sort of go uh, time-wise, and we'll start with a a couple of the 12 o'clock games. Uh, The first one that I wanted to talk about in it. Uh, I can hear you, but you skipped out a little bit right at the end. Uh, okay. Try one more time. Or just start talking again. All right. So, sorry about that. We're experiencing some technical difficulties here with Blog Talk. Keeps kicking the the host off. So, all right. So, this is our Saturday college basketball game day show of Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and Friends. Um, now I'm out, right? No, you're good. Yeah. Okay, you can still hear me because it's telling me that. Yes, I can hear uh, you now. Yep, you're good. My connection can't be established. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, you're okay. here. Okay. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get opt out of this. Um, all right, so <clears throat> uh, for some house cleaning stuff. Uh, first off, uh, Zion uh, gets ruled out against Miami today. Uh, I don't. Uh, I didn't want to see him today. Don't want to see him against Wake. Don't care about the UNT game or the ACC tournament. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we need him for March Madness. Uh, they're the best team in the country with him, and I'd just rather with him playing 100% than even being on a men's restriction or anything like that. So it doesn't bother me at all to to any uh, to any extent. Uh, I'm glad to see he's out. I, I there was a source on the boards that said he was going to be back today playing a minutes restriction. I thought that was dumb. Uh, that was from. I don't know. I'd say one of the midline people, um, the one guy that's really, really good and has all the inside info, um, did not mention that. So that's that. Um, in terms of, I finally got to update our stuff. So uh, the college basketball show comes to an end for February because uh, you know it's March today. Um, I Rhino, he uh, put up a thousand seven hundred thirty-four profit in January. He's at 2,440 profit in February at N1, one push. Um, so I increased my bankroll. I don't know what that is, about 700 bucks or so, give or take a couple dollars um, from January. Pause, finishes, um, was with us for a good amount of February, finishes February up $245. Makes his big plays uh, stand, finishes at 2, 3, and 1. Uh, one push there, but uh, hit the big ones, which which matters. And basically, same for me. I, I the three games I dropped there. Let's say one, two, three, four, five, six games I dropped in February were all a uh, hundred dollar or two fifty plays. So uh, hitting the big ones, which is what matters. Not the greatest record, but um, you know you want to pick your spots for the host show. We'll still have you know these ones would be out on Thursday. So uh, right now Rhino is ten and eight uh, on our you know full week show. Uh, $15,000, 17 bankroll, 3,017 profit. We'll see what we could close out here in February. Pause. Uh, had a very nice run going, had six straight, uh, lost a hundred, won a hundred, dropped a hundred and a thousand and, and won a 500. So pause is at uh nine and five and, uh, he's, uh, $1,587 in the profit for 13,587 bankroll. So we'll see if we could boost our numbers. Maybe I could try. I won't be able to get mine over 4,000. I don't have really any big dog plays left, but maybe Paz can get himself over 2,000 here, finish out February 
uh, above 2K, and uh, I could. I have a, a almost $2,000. Um, I've extended my bankroll almost $2,000 from January. January I finished at 1,092. So maybe I could get myself over like 2,500 here. That would be sweet. So that that's the the house cleaning stuff. I uh, hope the connection stays. I don't know what's going on with Blog Talk, but neither here nor there. All right. So yeah, as Paz mentioned, sweet kind of week today compared to uh, the uh, previous weeks. We got a nice or so, I would say, where uh, we had a lot of ranked versus ranked, and um, yeah, it's been it's been uh, you know it's been real good today. Sleep's kind of rough, um, but we got March Madness around the corner and ACC around the corner. So we'll open up uh, with a, a pause play, and that will be LSU Bama, uh, twelve o'clock game. Spread is currently LSU minus one. In the news, for LSU fans, I've been waiting to hear for the last week. Sophomore point guard Tremont Waters, who missed the number 13 Tigers' last two victories due to an undisclosed illness, will be available to play Saturday against Bama at Bama. LSU coach Will Wade said as much on his weekly radio show Wednesday night. Waters, that's what he said on the Wednesday show. Okay. Uh, Waters was inside the Assembly Center on Tuesday night, sitting on the bench but unavailable during LSU's 66-55 victory over Texas A&M. Waters completed an individual workout on Wednesday and appeared to be rounding back into shape. With the SEC and NCC tournament on the horizon, weights of the Tigers need Waters' ability to take charge of the offense, shoot the occasional three-pointer, and clog the passing lanes with his quick hands if they are going to play effectively in the postseason. The 66-point output against Texas A&M was the Tigers' lowest of the season, even though freshman point guard coming off the bench and has who has been replacing Waters. Javante Smart averaged 23 points in victories over Tennessee and Texas A&M. LSU needs Waters' ability to run the offense. Alabama has won nine consecutive games at home against ranked opponents. The Tide has lost three straight games before bouncing back with a consecutive wins over Vandy and South Carolina. Prior to beating the Gamecocks 68-62 on the road Tuesday, Alabama has not won a game this year, scoring fewer than 70 points. LSU beat Bama 88-79 on January 8th in Baton Rouge. LSU can own a piece of its first SEC regular season championship since 2009 if it wins its final three games. After Saturday's road games against Alabama, LSU will travel to Florida on Wednesday and close the regular season at home against Vanderbilt, who's winless in the SEC. The Tigers are tied with Kentucky at 24-4, 13-2 in the conference, and Tennessee 25-3, 13-2 in the conference also. LSU, stat-wise, uh, Waters, 15-7-2-9-5-9-3-0. Very nice uh, box score for him. Nas Reed, 13-5-6-8. Skyler Mays, 13-5-3-1-2-3-2-0. And Smart, as I mentioned off the bench, kind of their, more their six-man. He gets about 26, average about 20. Uh, he was averaging 24-2 before uh, uh, Waters went down. So he, he's basically their sixth man. Uh, has increased his minutes to 28 now, or has increased his minutes to 29-6 now. So yeah, he's, he's their sixth man and a nice player. Does not pass the ball at all. Uh, that, that's one thing I mentioned last week. 11.13424. Uh, coming off back-to-back wins, beat Tennessee in OT. We discussed loss to Florida in OT. Uh, that's kind of a bad loss, in my opinion. Beat Kentucky by two. 
beat Auburn by five, uh, as we mentioned, a ton of close games. Uh, I'd have to redo the stat, but when we were on like a week or two ago, it was like 26 or something of their games, 20 of them were by nine points or less. They have five OT games, and at the time they had nine games that were decided by um, three points or less. So actually they have another OT game now. So that they have now they have six OT games, and um, let's see, the last three, that's four, that's five, that's two. So add another three more, 12 of those games, um, five points or less. So this team just kind of doesn't really like to put teams away. And, uh, you know, let's hang, let them hang around or hangs around but doesn't do enough to close. Uh, Alabama coming off coming in off of back, back-to-back wins, dropped three, though, straight before that, one to Texas A&M, one to Florida, one to Mississippi State. Um, I have LSU here. Uh, my spread is 3.6. LSU is getting one. That's a no play for me. Uh, since Paz is a play on it, I will just make a you know play with him, I guess, not not for the stat sheet, but just in general since we're discussing it. Um, plus one, huh? I would take LSU here. I think this is kind of a must win, but uh, and I would probably take the money line. One's not one's not four for me, but I don't really like this game all that much. Pause. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm squarely on the opposite opposite end of you here. Um, I think this is a must-win game for Alabama. They enjoy a – they're similar, very similar to Iowa in that they are a far superior team at home than they are on the road, and they've shown that this season. Um, they played LSU really tight back in – when did they play them? Uh, back in January, and they only lost by nine on the road. Um, I think, like I said, this is just a, a straight revenge game here. Alabama having a superior home court advantage, which you mentioned in the, the stats uh, early, earlier. And uh, I just think Alabama wins this game outright. Uh, so give me the – just give me their morning, uh, morning line. Give me their money line. Um, and uh, I think they, they take it here. I'm going to put 250 on this, actually. All right. Nice. Okay. Um Next game, uh, the only ranked first ranked big one on the slate today. Um, rematch, big rematch, Kentucky Tennessee. Uh, all ramifications involved in Saturday's SEC conference showdown between Kentucky, currently number four in Tennessee, number seven. The biggest might be the impact on seeding for the NCC tournament. The winner in Knoxville, Tennessee, gives itself a better chance at a number one seed, while the loser will probably have to play from the two line, maybe even as a number three. And in a scenario that didn't look likely even two weeks ago, the Wildcats had perhaps a bit more margin for error than the Volunteers. Kentucky's four-game winning streak started with a nationally televised 86-69 drilling of number one Tennessee on February 16th at Rupp Arena. season, the Volunteers look like a pretenders instead of national championship contenders. I would disagree. I think they've looked like pretenders for an extended period of time now. Tennessee's last three games have done little to stem that narrative. An unimpressive 58-46 win over Vanderbilt was followed by a controversial overtime loss to LS, at LSU with that foul, which is tied with the Volunteers and Wildcats for first in the league and boast the wins over both a 73-71 victory at Ole Miss. A dicey charging call in the Rebels, which might have been karma's payback for a foul on Grant Williams at LSU with 0.4 seconds left in overtime of a tie game inspired a sport coat toss from Old Miss coach Kermit Davis that might have been the equal 
of any of that of LSU's Dale Dale Brown executed back in the day. Williams delivered 21 points the last two. Coming on a short jumper with four seconds left, that put Tennessee ahead 72-71 to further polish his SEC Player of the Year resume. That resume got no help from the game at Kentucky. While Williams scored 16 points on just four field goal tries, he managed only two shots inside the arc. Half his points came at the foul line as the Wildcats kept him from getting the ball in spots where he could do serious damage. Meanwhile, T.J. Washington owned the paint in that point on 9 of 12 shooting while adding five rebounds and a pair of blocked shots. That was the highlight of a six-game stretch in which he averaged 21.3 points and six rebounds. But Washington couldn't, couldn't quite duplicate that out in Tuesday night, and Kentucky's come from behind 70-66 to 66 home win over Arkansas, producing just nine points and six boards in 35 minutes. Washington will need to find his intensity from the first meeting for the rematch, which figures to feature a wall of noise from a sellout crowd of nearly 22,000 in Thompson, bowling arena. Tennessee players such as wing Admiral Schofield probably haven't forgotten how they were routed just two weeks ago. Calipari said Friday he doubts power forward Reed Travis, who has missed two games in the knee sprain, will be able to play. Travis had 11 points and eight rebounds in the first meeting against Tennessee. <clears throat> For Kentucky, Washington, 15 points, 7.8 boards, 1.8 assists, and a block a game. Hero, 14-2-4-4-2-3-1-0. Very good stats for Washington here at the top there. Kelvin Johnson, 13-6-5-7-1-6. Reed Travis, 11-3-6-9. Tennessee comes in with one, two, three, four straight wins. They dropped the game February 12th to LSU. Riled off, I'd say, at least, what, this four, six, eight, riled off 12 before that. Lost to Bama by two, riled off three more before that. Lost to Seton Hall by one in OT, riled off a bunch to nobody, and uh, started with the loss to Duke. Good wins against Carolina. Night, uh, Kansas hat without Enzibaki. Yeah, uh, some decent stuff here. Tennessee coming off a two-point win over LSU. Lost to LSU in overtime before that. Beat Bandy by 12 before that. Got spanked by Kentucky before that. Riled off, I think it was 19 straight. Lost to Kansas without Zimbabwe by uh, six. For Tennessee, Grant Williams, 19-1-7-6-3-4-1-2-1-5. Schofield, 16-7-6-4-2-2-1-0. Bone, 13-1-3-1-6-2. Turner, 11-3-2-6-3-5-1-1. Bowden, 10-3-3-2-2-3. Um, I would have been all over Kentucky in this game because I just don't think Tennessee is any good. And Kentucky shows up for the big games. That's something they're known. Uh, Tennessee, minus three, it looks like. Um, this is a no play for me. I would have been on Kentucky money line to win this game outright, but that injury definitely changes things for me. Spread open at two. It's going up now, um, I'm, I'm sure, because of the injury. Uh, pause. Thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, again, exactly the same as you here. Uh, the injury to Reed Travis is huge. He shut down Grant Williams in the uh, the first meeting. I mean, look, on the offensive end, Ken, uh, Ken, Kentucky couldn't have been couldn't be stopped. So I guess it didn't play as big of a factor. But they, he just he, Williams just didn't look like himself in that game, and and Travis was basically, you know, shadowing him the entire game. So I think this is actually a huge injury. I think that uh, Tennessee will be much more efficient on the offensive end. I would 
if I was doing something here, I'd probably do like a, a money line parlay with Tennessee and, you know, pick a, another couple of games or whatever. But uh, I would not be playing the spread here. It would be a, a straight money line Tennessee for me if, if I was getting involved. Um, though for the show and for our picks, I, I will not be, uh, I will not be getting involved, but Tennessee money line looks like the play for me. All right. Brings me to my first play. Um, Wolford against Stanford. So Wolford goes for Southern conference perfection against Stanford on Saturday afternoon. Uh, at the Hanna Center in Birmingham, Alabama. The number 24 Terriers need this road win to complete the regular season with a unblemished league mark. They also are trying to make sure their coach is happy. No team from the Southern Conference has gone undefeated in regular season league play since Davidson in 2007-2008. That one included Stephon Curry and reached an NCAA regional final. But in Thursday night's 80-54 victory against Chattanooga, a game in which the Terriers played for the first time in progress program history while holding a national ranking, it took time to get cranked up Coach Mike Young, something he noticed. Keeping the team focused is one of the challenges, but maybe playing on the road can help in that regard. Young said there has been quite a bit of celebration around campus based on the team's new status as a ranked team. Wolford has had a few close calls in league play, perhaps most notably a 107-106 overtime victory at home against the Sanford team on January 24th. Storm Dave Miss hit a game-winning jumper at the buzzer. Sanford junior guard Brandon Austin, a transfer from Alabama, scored a career-high 31 points in that game. Wolford senior guard Fletcher McGee also tallied 31 points in that matchup, including a three-point basket with eight, seven, eight seconds left in regulation of force overtime. McGee leads the country in three-pointers with 131 after his 5% performance at Chattanooga. That's not a good omen for Sanford, which has surrendered 291 baskets from three-point range this season, marking the second-highest total by a South Southern Conference team. Furman hit 13 shots from behind the arc in Thursday's night win at Sanford. Wolford has three career 1,000-point scores on the team after Hoover joined seniors McGee and Cameron Jackson on that list Thursday night. Hoover hit a three-point shot to reach the milestone. Stanford has lost three games in a row, including Thursday night's 90-81 home setback to Furman. Some of the recent high-scoring games against Stanford tend to be disturbing. Earlier this winter, Coach Steve Pageant in a report in the student run the Stanford Crimson said, I think we have more size went to athleticism than we've ever had in the program. We have a big emphasis on defense. If Stanford can keep it close, though, there can be a reward. The Bulldogs, the Bulldogs have played in five overtime games in conference play, going two and three in those games. They are three and four overall in overtime adding this season. Stanford is 11 and 5 at home. For Wofford, McGee 20.127161, Jackson 14875261711. Nice stats for Jackson there. <clears throat> Hoover 1292411. Schedule wise, really haven't played a soul all season. Um, they played one rank, two ranked teams all year. Got beat by 11 by Mississippi State and got beat by. 25 by Kansas, got beat by 11 by North Carolina, and Oklahoma was ranked at the time they played them, uh, lost by 11. So they played four ranked teams, lost to every single one of them. For Stanford, stats-wise, Stanford, stats 
Sharkey, 16-7-3-7-7-3-2-7. Guerrero, 13-5-8-4-2-1 blocks per game. Austin, 12-8-4-6, 1.2 steals per game. Gordon, 12-4-2-5-1-7. And Allen, 9-4-8-3-1-5. Schedule-wise, they played uh, Ohio State, who was ranked at the time, lost by 18. Played Tennessee, lost by 13. Those are the only two ranked teams they played all year. Um, this is going to be a game where I want to see more of what Wolford has to offer uh, based on just their schedule. Like this is a conference game. They're not playing in the March Madness tournament against somebody. Um, but the conference stinks. I don't think they're, you know, it's all that great. But in terms of a conference versus conference play, I just see huge separations here. Wolford has the 11th best offense in the NCAA, Stanford 140. Wolford has the 78th best defense in the NCAA, Stanford 165. Wolford has played 103rd best offenses, 158 best defenses, Stanford 154 offenses, and 256 defenses. Uh, I have the spread at 17.4 in Wolford's favor. This will be a small play for me, $100 on Wolford, and a definite watch game where I will see more of what this team has to offer going forward in the March Madness bracket tournament. Pause. Yeah, that's a that's a good point um, there. I didn't take too deep of a dive into this game, um, but they do. This is the last game on their schedule, so I think there is some extra motivation here for Wofford just to to finish off the the season undefeated in conference. And this Samford team, just like you mentioned, they they just aren't very good. They come in off of three straight losses. Um, I just can't see them even being at home. I understand that, you know, this is a this is a huge game for them just probably on campus because they're facing a ranked opponent at home where, you know, every other ranked opponent they probably faced in the last 25 years, they've had to go to them because they get paid to go there, you know. So um, having a ranked opponent, playing a ranked opponent at home, I'm sure the campus will probably be rocking. They'll probably be, um, you know, They'll, they'll probably really be getting up for this game to want to, you know, play. I don't know if the game's on TV. It's probably on TV somewhere. But, um, you know, just in terms of being more on the national stage, I think they'll get up for it. But nine points seems a little light for me. Um, I would probably lean the same way you do in, in terms of Wofford covering. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not making a play here. It would just be straight watch, hopefully – I can watch it somewhere. I'll, I'm sure I, I can find it somewhere. Uh, for Rhino. Uh, let's see. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pitt, UVA. Um, Virginia's win over Georgia Tech on Wednesday night marked the fourth time this season that the Cavaliers tallied more than 80 points against an ACC opponent. In the previous five seasons, the Cavaliers did not reach 80 once in regulation in the ACC. The ability to score at a higher rate has given number two Virginia a dimension it hasn't had under coach Tony Bennett in his 10th season with the program. The Cavaliers will look for more Saturday when they welcome a spiraling Pittsburgh squad into Virginia, their home court. The Panthers are playing Virginia for the first time since scoring just seven points in the first half in the first meeting last season. The Cavaliers end up winning 66-30. is dramatically different under first-year head coach Jeff Capel, but it is a long way removed from a 6-0 and start 
to the season where things were looking very hopeful for the squad. Pittsburgh is on a 11-game losing streak. And we'll be looking to break a 22-game skid, road skid, when it enters one of the toughest places to play in the country despite having not won a game since January 14th. The Panthers have been competitive, but they are undersized in the experience. Santa Virginia is not. Cavaliers notch a 81-51 win over Georgia Tech on Wednesday night. Sophomore DeAndre Hunter has been on a tear, scoring 18 or more points four of his past five games. Hunter leads the Cavaliers in scoring just ahead of Kyle Guy. Pittsburgh features three players scoring in double figures. All five of the Panthers' leading scorers stand six foot six or shorter and will be challenged by a Virginia team that can play big or small. Virginia is tied atop the ACC standings with North Carolina, one game ahead of Duke, but the Cavaliers own a tiebreaker with the Tar Heels thanks to a February 11th win in Chapel Hill. If Virginia sweeps its final three games against Pitt, Syracuse, and Louisville, it will be the number one seed for the ACC tournament in Charlotte. For Pittsburgh, Xavier Johnson, 16-5-3-8-4-5-1-2. Nice stat from Mr. Johnson. Uh, Wilson Frame, 11-9-4-8-1-4. Trey McGowan, 11-8-3-3-1-8-2-1. Schedule-wise, as you mentioned, on a ridiculously long 11-game losing streak, and that includes the likes of Georgia Tech, Boston College, NC State, Wake Forest, um, bottom barrels of the team, Syracuse twice, good team but not great, bottom of the ACC, lost to North Carolina, lost to NC State, lost to Iowa, lost to Virginia, uh, West Virginia. Pretty bad. For Virginia, uh, you know, there are only two blemishes against Duke. I think their offense is a little bit down. Uh, I'm not all that impressed with the 80-plus performance against Georgia Tech. I would expect the same here, though. Hunter, 15-3, Guy, 15-4-4-2-1. Jerome, 13-4-2-5-1-1-4. And, uh, you know, the only two blemishes against Duke, beat Louisville, beat Virginia Tech, Carolina, beat NC State, beat Virginia Tech again, Florida State, Maryland, and Wisconsin. Um, look, I don't like ever taking big spreads against with Virginia, but I, I, I have the spread at 31.1. That's how bad Pittsburgh is. They're home. Um, I think this is like the Georgia Tech game where they just they just blow this team out of the water. Um, Pittsburgh has a really tough time scoring. Uh, 168th offense in the NCAA. Now have to go up against the number two D. UVA is the fourth best offense. Um, Pitt has the 59th ranked D. I, I don't really think that matters all that much. Uh, UVA 39 best offenses, 24th best Ds. Pitt 63 best offenses, 55th best Ds. Spread is 16. Um, down from where it was yesterday, actually, it opened at 18. So uh, I'll definitely take uh, myself getting lucky by coming on to the show later and, and with those two points. This will be a max play for me, so it will be, you know, a 1,000 on the on the college game day show since we're in a new month, and I believe I have uh, one 500 left. Um, let's see. Yeah, I believe I have a 500 left um, for the the host show. So this will be a 500 play for me there on the host show and a 1,000 play for me to start the new month on the um, game day show. Pause. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add here. This should be a, a nice, easy coast game for the 
for Virginia. They finish up their schedule with Syracuse and Louisville. So I think that, you know, they're pretty comfortable with ultimately finishing at the top of the ACC. And, uh, you know, these next three games, uh, you know, they'll be heavy favorites here, probably pretty heavy favorites against Louisville. And then, I mean, they should be pretty heavy favorites against Syracuse as well, but at least that's a way. So it won't be as big of a spread, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is, they probably push the, push the lead to like, I don't know, 15 or so at the end of the first half. And then they'll come out, they'll, they'll blow it up to like 25 and then just sort of coast from there, keep it in that 20 to 25 range and, you know, easy victory. And Pitt is, as you mentioned, one of those teams that on the at home versus on the road, they're uh, they're two completely different teams. So 12 and five at home slash on neutral sites. No, sorry, 12 and seven at home and on neutral sites versus 0 and nine on the road. Uh, so yeah, you just you can't trust them at all on the road. Uh, I I take Virginia here as well, um, but no no play for me. But yes, on the on the same side as you. All right, that brings us to Paz's next play, Texas Tech TCU. Okay. Um, Late season games qualify as meaningful in different ways depending on where a team happens to sit in the standings. When number 11 Texas Tech travels to TCU for Saturday afternoon's game in Fort Worth, that definition of meaningful ranges from a shot at history to desperation. The Red Raiders are coming in a new and lofty position after surviving an 84-80 overtime decision against Oklahoma State on Wednesday. Texas Tech climbed into a tie with Kansas State for first place in the Big 12 conference race, a game in front of Baylor and 14-time reigning champion Kansas. The Horned Frogs are on the other end, may need to win their final three games to solidify a realistic chance to reach the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row. So which motivation is strongest? Meanwhile, TCU must quickly get over its last outing or maybe escaping the stigma of the last several would be even better. Three weeks ago, the unpredictable Frogs were 17-6 going into a big Monday matchup against Kansas, a near-upset fizzle when the Jayhawks prevailed in overtime and a very bad ending to an offensive game. I watched that one. And TCU has since bounced back and forth, knocking off Iowa State in between road losses to Big 12 cellar dwellers Oklahoma State and West Virginia. The loss of the Mountaineers on Tuesday came in triple overtime. The Frogs could have managed to do what Tech did, win when it wasn't at its best. After a 29-point blowout win against Kansas last Saturday, the Red Raiders were much more human on Wednesday. The struggles were apparent on both ends of the floor. Tech surrendered 17 Oklahoma State three-pointers and never found much offensive consistency. The Raiders followed season-best 16 three-pointers in the win over the Jayhawks by hitting a season-worst three of 19 on Wednesday. <clears throat> Duplicating the first meeting with TCU would be a solid blueprint for the Raiders, who won 84-65 on January 28th. They raced to a 43-27 lead at halftime, lifting the, limiting the Frogs at 31.8%, 8 of 21 shooting before the break. If anything, the close call versus Oklahoma State, which came on the heels of five tech victories by double digits, four by 25 points or more, should serve to sharpen the Raiders' focus. Let me just pull up the stats real we all know who's at the top. Mr. Colfer, 18 points a game, 6.3 rebounds a game, 3.6 assists a game, 1.2 steals. Very nice, Mr. Colfer. He does it all for them. Moretti, 11-2-1-9-2-5-1-1. Mooney, 10-6-3-1-3-1-1-7. And I'll mention Owens because he has 
pretty nice all across the board. 8 8 5 2, one assist a game, half a steal a game, 2.4 blocks a game. I don't like this team at all, but eh, whatever. Um, they come in with six straight wins, one against Kansas without Vic and Ozenbaki. Lost to Kansas uh, before that to stop their kind of streak. Oklahoma State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, not impressive. TCU, Arkansas, not impressive. Uh, lost three straight to Kansas State, Baylor, and, and Iowa State before that. Beat Oklahoma, lost to Duke. The only two ranked teams, uh, they, they played four ranked teams all year. Duke lost, beat Oklahoma, but they're split to, with Kansas and both times didn't have Vic Rouse and Bucky. So they've really played two ranked teams all year, and Oklahoma's not even ranked anymore. So they're basically 0-1 against ranked teams, um, in my, and that's my opinion. I guess Kansas is still a good team if you want to consider them fine. For TCU, really struggles offensively uh, every time I've watched them. Bain, 15-1-5-6-2-5-1-2. Kuat Noe, I don't know, maybe it's uh, Japanese, might be – Different, but whatever. Fifteen one five two one 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 one. Robinson three thirteen one three seven seven one seven assists a game for Robinson. It's a lot. Uh, one point six steals a game. Fisher twelve one two four two seven one zero. Miller eleven three six six one six. Um, I have Texas Tech favored by six. Ugh, I don't know. Texas Tech does have a decent D, I guess. And if the TC struggles on offense, I guess you have to go Texas Tech. Six is a lot, in my opinion. Um, I really just have no opinion here. Let's hear what Paz has to say. You can break it down because he has a play here. Paz. Okay, so I think so. I think the last two games for Texas Tech were – they were obviously on opposite ends of the spectrum here uh, in terms of a blowout win to Kansas against Kansas and then a – really close close win against Oklahoma State who's at the bottom of the of the premier uh, of the uh Big 12. So you know, I I'm not sure which Texas Tech we're going to get here, but I do really like this spot for TCU. So TCU has a few really bad losses in their their last few games, but I think you're going to get their best shot here and whereas Texas Tech the emotional highs and lows and then highs again, sort of taking a toll on them is what I'm banking on. Um, also, they TCU got blown out by Texas Tech earlier in the season. They lost by almost 30. So I just feel this is a revenge slash more emotionally stable team, not having to deal with the, the ups and downs that Texas Tech had to go through. And three and a half just seems like a, or three, whatever the number is that, that we have, it just seems like a nice number. Um, and I, I don't know if they win, but um, I really do think they keep this close in a one possession game, pretty much the entire game. And ultimately, you know, probably have the ball last and probably fall short on the offensive end because they have trouble scoring. So I'm going to put this as like a one or two point victory for Texas tech. That's my, uh, that's my, my guess here. And I also believe they're going to be able to, to uh, kind of dominate on the, the offensive rebounding side of things where they do have a sort of advantage. So that's kind of my, my play here. I, I like, I like TCU here. It's going to be just a minimum play for me, but, uh, but I like it. All right, last one. I don't like anything else in the cards. Uh, so last one here: Baylor, Kansas State. 
And number six, Kansas State, coming off a road loss that – I don't know why they're using that, but coming off a road loss that hurt the Big 12 conference race, host Baylor on Saturday trying to at least keep a share of the conference lead. A Baylor win in Manhattan could create up to a four-way tie at the top of the conference. Kansas State enters the weekend tied for conference lead with Texas Tech. And Baylor, 19-9, 10-5 in Big 12, is tied for Kansas. <clears throat> yeah, a game ahead of fifth place, Ohio Iowa State. Kansas State fell 64-49 at Kansas on Monday night in a game in which the Wildcats were manhandled in nearly every category. The Jayhawks owned a 41-31 advantage on the glass, caused more turnovers, turnovers, and committed only eight fouls compared to 17 for Kansas State. Kansas also shot much better, 39.6% to 31.6% in a defensive battle. Kansas State coach Bruce Weber knows his squad has to get its swagger back Saturday against a top Baylor team. The the Bears are in the national top 20 in rebounding margin and block shot. Kansas State's struggles on the front line will be tested. Kansas State has won five straight games against Baylor, including a 70-63 victory in Wake on February 9th. The Wildcats won the rebounding battle by one in that game. Kansas State's senior trio, Brown, Wade, and Stokes, are ready to rebound from Monday's loss. In that game, Brown and Wade combined for just 12 points. Baylor, meanwhile, is riding high after the victory over Texas. Baylor is led by Mason, who recently missed two of three games, including the first game with Kansas State with a toe injury. King McClure missed five straight games also, including the first game against K-State with a knee injury. His first game back was against Texas when he played just seven minutes and didn't score. Drew, though, is clearly glad to have him back. For Baylor, uh, Clark, 3-1-6-1-1-2-4. Mason, 14-6-2-4-3-1. Kegler, 10-7-6-0-1-3. Butler, 9-6-3-0-2-9-1-0. McCore, 9551-2213. Bandu, 8720-14. Schedule-wise, uh, coming in off of three straight wins. Win over Iowa State, the most roller coaster team in the NCAA by four. Beat a bad West Virginia team and a bad Texas team in OT. Uh, lost to Texas Tech before that by 24, 25. Uh, beat uh, Oklahoma by five and then dropped a Kansas State game and a Texas game, uh, both by spot, one by seven, one by 12. Riled off six before that. Nobody really liked great Oklahoma, Alabama, West Virginia. Texas Tech is a good one. Uh, Oklahoma State, not really all that impressive. Lost to Kansas without Asenbaki and Vic by five. Beat Iowa State by three. Um, let's see. They played, you know, three ranked teams all year. Don't count Kansas. So they're actually – Three and one versus ranked teams. Two of them against Ohio State. Kansas for Kansas State. Brown fifteen three four one two seven two zero. Wade twelve nine six three two seven. Snead ten three five four two zero one three. And Stokes ten one two eight three three one two. Kansas State coming in off that loss to Kansas, as we mentioned, beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia before that. Uh, got beat up by Iowa State before that, riled off four straight, Texas, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma State, lost to Texas A&M before that one, riled off five, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma, Iowa State, West Virginia, lost two to Texas Tech and Texas before that, riled off another four against 
uh, teams you see during exam week, and then drop uh, games to Marquette and Tulsa. Mm. Marquette uh, is a tough loss. That's a, a good team. Kansas, uh, see Texas Tech. Uh, as you mentioned, Wade was out for some of this, which is, is definitely important, but they've lost uh, their last two to ranked foes, Kansas and Iowa State. Did knock off Kansas before that, and Texas Tech before that, and Oklahoma, Iowa State before that. So um, they got four here, four jumbled into the middle against ranked team wins, two there. Uh, I actually looked at this game to also play Kansas State. Um, I just thought the spread was too close. Uh, I had it at 7.2. Uh, I'm using the mobile app. I got to pull up the William Hill for when we put in our official plays. It's at six now, so uh, that's just too close for me. But I think that's about right. I, I think Kansas State gets it done here at home. Uh, pause. Yeah, I, I think this is a a game that Kansas State really needs if they want to consider themselves uh, a shot to win the Big Twelve regular season. And I think that the the f- nice uh, what is it five day difference between their Tuesday night game versus or Monday night game. Yeah. They played Monday night. So Monday to Saturday just gives Wade really a lot of time to recover and, you know, have his foot feeling better and uh, you know, not the quick turnaround that they had between the Oklahoma state game and the Kansas game. So yeah, I, I look for Kansas state actually to kind of lay the hammer here. I think that they, they come out, they sort of make their point that they sh- they belong to be at the top of the Big 12, that they are one of the better teams in the country. It's one of their last home games of the regular season. So for these seniors, they uh, they, they certainly want to leave their mark and sort of leave their legacy, hopefully uh, knocking off Kansas as the, the reigning Big 12 regular season champs for the last, I don't know, 14 years or so, something like that. So uh, yeah, I, this is a, a must-win game for Kansas State if they if they want to, uh, you know, consider themselves in that light. So I give me the, I'll take the spread actually, um, Kansas State for a minimum play, but I still think that they get it done here. All right, <clears throat> give me um, all right. So for the host show, you have two seven fifties left and one two fifty, and the rest. Uh, 100. So, rile off your keys to me again. I have the app up so I get the correct spreads for us. Um, go top to bottom, and if you want to use, you know, those 750s or 250s, just so you know. Yeah, so I will be on Alabama for 250. Okay, I Alabama. Be, uh, then I'll be on TCU for 100 minimum and Kansas okay. State for a minimum. All right. Uh, Alabama is currently plus four. TCU is all the way down to plus four and a half. That sucks. We started talking about it. It was all the way up at six. That stinks. Um, okay, TCU is plus four and a half. Kansas State minus five and a half. So for pause, well, actually, I'll just I'll write them off all together so that I can break it down. Um, okay, and then which one um, your sec for which which two do you want in the college game day? Obviously the BAM at two fifty TC or K State for the uh, not for the game day for the host show TC or K State. Uh, give me TCU. Okay. All right, for Rhino for the college game day show, a uh, thousand on UVA minus sixteen and. A hundred 
on Wolford minus eight. And the UVA play on actually, yeah, hold, I got to do this all over again. Okay. Lino, $1,000 on UVA minus 16 for the game day show, 500 UVA minus 16 for the host show, Wolford minus eight, 100 on both the college game day show and the host show. For pause, Alabama, 250 plus four on the college game day and host show. TCU for 100 plus four and a half on the college game day and host show. And K-State for 100 minus five and a half on the college game day show. So I'll wrap up our college game day show. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry for the original technical difficulties and probably not being so great on the cell phone instead of the mic, but uh, we do what we can here. We hope everyone has a profitable Saturday. Thanks for tuning in. Also, thank you. Our Thursday show got the highest downloads uh, thus far, 100 in a day already. Uh, we appreciate all the listeners. And if you ever want to call and interact, please do, 657-383-1692. We love to hear from the fans and other people's opinions. So, um, you can follow us, Uncut Sports Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all these radio shows are uh, broken down into podcasts iTunes podcast, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio at Uncut Sports Talk. And as always, they're broken on the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, too, at Uncut Sports Talk, feature Rhino and Friends. Thanks for tuning in. As always, from your host, Rhino, and your co-host, Paz, we hope you have a great and profitable Saturday. Later. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.